Harness the energy you need to get you through the hectic holiday season with NT Factor's Holiday Sale. Get 20% off all orders of $150 or more now through December 31st. Just use the code SAVE20 at NTFactor.com. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to repair damaged cells and improve your body's natural energy production. Clinical trials have shown that NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half. It also reduces some of the side effects of aging. NT Factor is all natural and available in a variety of formulations tailored to your specific needs. I've been using NT Factor for years and I prescribe it for my patients. So take advantage of NT Factor's holiday sale and stock up for the new year. Get 20% off all orders of $150 or more through December 31st. Call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or use code SAVE20 at ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're going to talk uh, all things menopause because uh, menopause is a real speed bump for a lot of women. For some women, they seem to be relatively unscathed, but for a lot of women, uh, they have a lot of challenges. Uh, There's weight gain, there's mood problems, uh, all kinds of issues, hot flashes, and so on. Uh, Today, we're going to talk to an expert on the subject of menopause. Uh, She is uh, a board-certified OBGYN. She's actually triple board certified. Uh, In addition, she has credentials in uh, anti-aging and regenerative medicine and special certifications in functional medicine, sexual health, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, which for some women is a fix, but doesn't necessarily have to be. Uh, Dr. Anna Kabeka is author of Menupause, uh, it's a book about uh, a dietary approach to menopause. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Kabeka. Uh, Anna, it's a pleasure <laughs> having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us today. It's an honor to be here with you, Dr. Hoffman. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great, my great pleasure. Uh, and please call me Ron. Uh, so uh, this, uh, you were trained conventionally. Uh, you know, you went through arduous training and probably birthed a lot of babies and uh, had a lot of sleepless nights uh, during your uh, residency and fellowship training in OBGYN. Uh, but then you, you took a turn towards uh, a more natural approach to women's health problems. So, so tell us a little bit about your personal journey. Yeah, happy to. And I would say I birthed a lot of babies, birthed four of my own as well, Ron. So <laughs> it has been a journey and probably 500 other other blessings into this world, if not so many more. Um, and most recently, I, I was able to deliver my firstborn grandchild, my firstborn granddaughter. Wow. And just amazing opportunity to do that delivery just, just, this, just this year. So um, my... I, you know, there's a saying that says that your mess becomes your message. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my case, that certainly is. And going from conventional, well, I trained as an osteopathic physician. So I had a very holistic upbringing. And I really believed in, you know, the, the physical aspects of every part of the body is connected to the other. And I was drawn to the osteopathic approach of medicine. 
from that hands-on learning type of, of situation. And then I went to train in gynecology and obstetrics at Emory University. And I would say one of the best institutions in the world, right? But it, when I came out into my own private practice and as a solo OBGYN in rural health, because I was a National Health Service Corps scholar. So basically, I got thrown into- um, Like a real country you know, doc. Yeah. Yeah, like a real country doc. And um, it was really just so many amazing, ama- amazing aspects to that. But being the one all and often sometimes the only um, physician that they've seen or the only certainly OBGYN specialty physician they've seen, let alone female physician. And so I learned very quickly that I needed to add tools to my doctor's bag, but never as quickly as when at age 38, 30, turning 39, I was diagnosed with early menopause infertility and um, told I would never be able to have another child naturally. And but so you already that, had four, so there was some uh, consolation to that fact. That oh, three. Okay. I had three. Oh. Yep, I had three at that point. Oh. And so there's more to the then, story. Uh, part of the story, yeah. And so as part of that, you know, and trauma, because we lost our youngest son, our only son, in a tragic accident. So it was post-traumatic induced early menopause. Not di- That is not described in our medical literature anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, didn't know that reversing menopause was possible, but I went on to prove it was at age 41. Had reversed menopause and naturally conceived the child I was told I would never be able to have. So at age 41. And um, so now I'm age 56, and she's soon to be 15. Uh, and it's an exciting time in our life. And uh, but since that journey, really learned to understand, okay, how, you know, what were the steps that enabled my ovaries to function again normally? What was the process that I had to take to do that? And once I figured that out for myself, I figured it out for my patients as well. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. And my first book is called The Hormone Fix. And I always say it takes more than hormones to fix your hormones. And so from there, really elaborated on my approach, which I call the keto green approach or the keto green way. And um, I'm passionate because oftentimes, you know, as physicians, we give out a diagnosis, we write a prescription, but I want everyone listening to really hear that your, you know, diagnosis is not your destiny and your prescription is not your description. Well, there, there are clues a little bit uh, to the dietary connection to menopause symptoms uh, by looking around the world. And, and you did that. You, you took a little bit of a anthropological journey. Uh, looking at uh, women around the world to determine if there was a dietary connection to menopause symptoms. Uh, and one of the things that uh, I've noticed is that you know, when you talk to women from different parts of the world, uh, you talk to women from uh, Japan and Asia, and you talk to them about hot flashes, and they kind of draw a blank. They're not, not even sure what you mean. Uh, you know, hot flashes are not a, a big symptom of menopause over there, whereas they're highly prevalent in the West. So did, did that uh, study and that uh, exploration lead you some, to some conclusions about the relationship between diet and menopause? Oh my gosh, so much of it, right? So much of it, not just what we're eating, but when we're eating and how often we're eating or what time of day we're eating. I mean, so many variations to that. But in my book, Many Pause, because oftentimes we get stuck in a certain way of doing things. And I definitely have seen that in my own 
practices, but also in so many patients. We get on these diet plans and we get in these camps, so to speak, and we don't deviate and, and we need to. We need to change things up. And that's what many pause is about. I always like to say there's you know, magic in the pauses of your life. And through my journeys and traveling around the world and experiencing other cultures, I wanted to incorporate some of that into into the meal plans, into the five different meal plans in many pause, because certain like cultures have, I mean, I would say in the United States, we have the most symptomatic menopause experience than anywhere else in the world. If you look at our numbers and you look at the number of prescriptions we're on over age 50 and et cetera. So we really you know, haven't done well for menopausal women in this country. And food is the first medicine. So I wanted to incorporate that in from the best practices around the world, um, adding some flavor and fun into menopause. Well, it seems that the way you formulate it is that there's no single solution to menopause. It has to be highly uh, individualized. And in mm -hmm. fact, uh, you came up with uh, five distinct different plans uh, that correspond to different menopause types, right? Right. Yeah. Well, well um, for menopause roadblocks, let's say. So the five different menu plans, we walk through them. They all pause something. So the first plan is what I call my Keto Green Extreme Plan. It follows my Keto Green principles. For those of you who are new to that, you may have heard about keto. And we always talk about keto dirty versus keto clean. And keto green is keto clean. So the way we do it, I incorporate plant-based foods as well as, you know, again, very clean, organic, grass-fed, free-range but also using fermented foods, herbs and spices to really balance out your hormones, empower your detoxification system and be low inflammatory, very low inflammatory, which is so important during this time of our lives. And then um, the first plan, Keto Green Extreme, also pauses nightshades. So it really follows an autoimmune protocol because many people don't realize that some of these foods can be causing inflammation. They can be the most healthiest foods, but they're inflammatory to your body. So that's what these pauses will go through. So the first one follows more of an autoimmune protocol. It's perfect if you have, you know, um, certain autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's or MS and then the second plan is a plant-based keto green plan. So again, low in carbs, which is hard for so many of my vegan and vegetarian eaters. They often eat way too many carbs. Mm -hmm. So this gives them a low carb experience. But I also want our, you know, omnivores to ha experience the plant-based plan because the number one issue with keto type diets or carnivore diets is a decrease in the diversity of our gut bacteria, which affects our health. The more diverse gut bacteria we have or the more diversity to our microbiome, the more resilient we are, the better immune system, the lower cancer rates. This has been shown in study after study. So and, and population analysis. So I think that's that was really and plus one of the big side effects of many people doing a, a change in diet, either the standard American diet or a keto diet is constipation. It's such a big problem that people don't even realize if you're not having one or two bowel movements a day, that is a that is constipated. And, and it has an impact on estrogen, right? Uh, because uh, constipation is associated with uh, uh, improper breakdown of uh, excess estrogen, right? 
Absolutely, absolutely, and and I like and plus the detoxification of estrogen down the appropriate pathways that is so important. And when we're constipated, we're reabsorbing toxins. And so and many women so, are, and it, it actually can get yeah. worse as you get older. And menopause sometimes there's a quantum leap in your susceptibility to constipation often. Yes, yeah, and I always tell, and plus, I'm a gynecologist, so the effects of constipation on the pelvic floor, that can worsen prolapse, rectocele, mm. um, cystocele, you know, I mean, it can cause, be associated with more hemorrhoids and fissures as we get older, I mean, so there's a lot to um, benefit from eating a plant-based plan and getting mm. rid of constipation, but also, as the pendulum swings, many people's digestions are so torn up. And again, I would say many of the pesticides, herbicides, chemicals, preservatives, things like that have destroyed our gut lining and destroyed our digestive enzymes. And so going to another, like I would say the pendulum swings, the third plan in menu pause is a carnivore plan. So that is a very healthy nose to tail carnivore plan that's very healthy and tasty. But it also is, again, very low inflammatory. So again, giving people experiences, very healthy, very diverse, you know, experiences with you know, these five different six day menu plans to help them on their journey because you never know what's blocking them. You seem to be saying that uh, you can eat low carb, but there are variations on the theme. Some are more yes. uh, animal protein laden, you know, perhaps where uh, animal protein may uh, restore uh, energy or provide uh, neurotransmitter uh, building blocks. Uh, that may be important mm -hmm. for some women. But on the other hand, for some women, they may want to go low carb, but very plant based uh, with fairly minimal amounts of animal fat. Am I correctly mm -hmm. interpreting that? Yeah. And that's kind of like the two ends of the spectrum with like keto green being in between. So that combination, you've got good, you know, good animal fats and meat and good plant-based combined together on, you know, then the extremes are the complete plant-based keto green and the complete carnivore mm -hmm. plant. And, and how is it that we can determine... Uh, what diet is suitable? Is it a matter of trial and error or are there guidelines in the book uh, that help to point people to the appropriate diet? Yeah, there, there are definitely guidelines in the book. And plus, I it, I tell you, you know, here's the bit, you know, if you're suffering with these things or struggling with these issues, this may be the best plan to start. I also have a quick and easy quiz and I can give that link if you'd like. Sure, please do. It's... Um, it's at dranna.com, so D-R-A-N-N-A.com forward slash MP quiz. So for menu pause quiz, MP quiz, dranna.com forward slash MP quiz. And you do that quiz and it will give you a guideline on where, you know, what would be the best plan to start or what might be your next right step. Let's try that again because I'd like to post that in our show notes. So it's dranna.com slash. dranna.com forward slash MP quiz. Okay, great. That's not as difficult as it sounds. Okay. <laughs> MP quiz. Okay, very good. Um, so we'll post that on our, on our show notes. Okay, so it, for some women, uh, carbohydrates are necessary. And, you know, with mm -hmm. all the popularity of low-carb diets, it's not always the case that people thrive on them. And I think you give recognition to that fact. And it, it, it appears that some women, uh, when denied carbohydrates, they really go into kind of a 
a downer phase. It has, uh, it, it seems to uh, sometimes trigger depression. And the thought is that maybe carbohydrates uh, help with serotonin formulation. That's one of the concepts that uh, has been introduced because in order to, to shuttle some of these building blocks for serotonin into the brain, you need some carbs. And when you go cold mm -hmm. turkey on carbs, it can really be problematic. I, I agree completely. And I would say, again, that also feeds into the diversity of the gut microbiome. Got when you don't have the good plant-based micronutrients, that feeds the microbiome, which is responsible for more serotonin than the brain, production of more serotonin than the brain. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Plus, there's a, there's a benefit to this carb cycling as well. And what I found in, in working, again, with you know, tens of thousands of people now in my online communities is that sometimes I had to bump them up in their carbs. So in one of the the menu plans, the fifth menu plan in menu pause is a carb up plan. It is like adding sweet potatoes, it's adding some legumes, and it's adding some more of the higher carbs. And often my, you know, if you've been carb restricted for a while, it really does help to cycle in um, cycle in the carbs. And for some people, they just, they're able, they feel better, they sleep better, they have more energy, and it was just what their body needed for a short pause. <laughs> for a short pause. So different strokes for different folks, clearly. Mm -hmm. uh, At different times. It's never the same thing every day. And where does soy fit into this? Because soy has been touted as something that can help with hot flashes. But on the other hand, uh, it's a problem food for many people vis-a-vis -vis di digestion, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the fact that a lot of the soy is uh, GMO uh, laced with glyphosate uh, and or, you know, people have soy allergy. Uh, and then the hormonal effects are well known. Uh, some people are concerned that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be amping up uh, these uh, uh, plant-based estrogens during menopause, but for some, it it seems to help. Right, absolutely, it does. And I would say the type, like no, you know, not all soy is created equal. So, non-GMO fermented soy is the best form. And a little, you know, I and mean, again, it's not something we should be eating every day. Like nix the soy milk every day, nix the, you know, soy products every day, the, you know, the meat substitutes in soy, but incorporate it periodically. And I think that that can be beneficial. It's just, um, you know, I, I think for many reasons, the digestive issues, the, you know, um, I was up by, I have some, I have some recipes in my book, Mini Paws and the plant-based plan. I have tempeh um, tacos. Let me tell you, like, I don't like tempeh. I mean, so I really mm -hmm. have to flavor it up. And I was, so I was, it, what came to my mind that I paused and, <laughs> and I didn't say is just sometimes you just got, you know, the taste issues with soy, you know, and you yep. really have to flavor it up to make it taste good. But use different sources of protein. Don't get stuck on one source of protein and change that. And soy has been shown to improve the estrogen detoxification pathways. And again, soy isoflavones, it's hard to get too much of them. But still, it depends on your body's digestion. So I like to, you know, you know, maybe it's for, for me in my life and with my family, we have we'll have like tempeh or miso or tofu maybe twice a month not very often mm -hmm. but for some people i know it's more of part of their life to get protein so i did balance that out in my plant-based um 
recipes and, and menu pods, but I prefer to really, you know, um, get variety for the protein sources we're using. And it sounds like, you know, when it comes to supplements, you're, you're not a big fan of soy isoflavone supplements, uh, you know, genistine and diazine uh, or red clover. Those are sometimes proposed as a way to uh, address hot flashes. Can, can they yeah, be used in certain circumstances or, they, or? Yeah, they can absolutely be used in certain, you know, in certain people. And I think that's a really big. Those those are beneficial. I will start with maca. I use my mm -hmm. maca, yep. mighty maca plus I like supplement. Maca. I love maca. It's adaptogenic. So if you're an overdrive or underdrive, you can get significant benefits from it. So, um, so I always start there. And again, for hot, the combination of the thirty superfoods that are in my mighty maca plus supplement includes turmeric, quercetin, resveratrol, cat's claw herbs. So there's all these adaptogens as well as chlorella and spirulina for detoxification. So, and enzymes for digestion and also for detoxification and inflammation. So we, I have a combination because I never found one thing that was, you know, the, that was the end all be all. It's always in my experience, a combination of things. So it's never a one um, one angle, but specifically in working with hot flashes and mood swings, also fish oils, you know, like needing to have enough omega threes. It's a, it's beneficial. I also like chase tree berry extract, whether it's mm -hmm. PMS issues, menstrual heavy menses, um, black cohosh is one of the, you know, has been proven scientifically to help, um, as well. And, um, DIM is another one that I use for detoxification. Diendylmethane, right? So, mm -hmm. diendylmethane. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so these so are, those are some of my favorite. Mm -hmm. and, and so, uh, for our listeners, you, you're, you have a practice based in uh, Texas. Am I? Is that correct? I live in I live in Texas, but I just do I do physician to physician consults now, and all my programs, etc., are online. My Magic Menopause program, my girlfriend doctor club. So I do everything online now. And how does the public access you? you they can uh, contact you remotely or you can participate in programs online? Yep, absolutely. And all that information is at my website at dranna.com. Okay. It's uh, Anna Kabeca, C-A-B-E-C-E-B-E-C-A. -E um, great, uh, Dr. Yeah, Anna. It's easy just to go to dranna, D-R-A-N-N-A.com, takes you right there. Okay, perfect. All right, we're going to pause uh, because we divide our podcast into two parts. Uh, in part two, I want to tackle the elephant in the room, excuse the pun, which is menopausal weight gain. What are some strategies uh, to address that? Also, uh, we're going to talk uh, a little more about supplements, but uh, specifically, uh, one of Dr. Quebec's expertise is, is in bioidentical hormones. We're going to talk about uh, when they're appropriate, uh, what are the upsides, what are the downsides. Uh, that is a very, very important aspect of comprehensive menopause management. Not always necessary, but uh, it can be really decisive in addressing the symptoms of menopause. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, our guest, Dr. Anna Kabeca, and we'll be right back with more of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast.